The Swiss Family Robinson, Chapter 20 The Cracker and the Pinnace From the time of discovering the pinnace, my desire was returning to the vessel. Grew every moment more irresistible, but one thing I saw was absolutely necessary, which was to collect all my hands to get her out from the situation where we had bound her. I therefore thought of taking with me the three boys. I even wished that my wife should accompany us, but she had been seized with such a horror of the perfidious elements, element as she called it the sea, that she assured me the very attempt would make her ill and useless. I had some difficulty to, to prevail upon her to let so many as three of the children go. She made me promise to return the same evening, and on no account to pass another night on board the wreck, and to this I was, though with regret, obliged to consent. After breakfast, then, we prepared for setting out. The boys were gay and on the alert in the expectation of the pleasure that awaited them, particularly Ernest, who had not yet made a single voyage with, with us to the vessel. We took with us an ample provision of boiled potatoes and cassava, and in addition, arms and weapons of every kind. We reached Safety Bay without any remarkable event. Here we thought it prudent to put on our cork jackets. We then scattered some food for the geese and ducks, which had taken up their abode there, and soon after stepped gaily into our tub raft, at the same time fastening the new boat by a rope to the, her stern so that she could be drawn along. We put out for the current, though not without considerable fear of finding that the wreck had disappeared. We soon, however, perceived that it still remained firm between the rocks. Having got on board, all repaired on the wings of curiosity and ardor to that part of the vessel called the bulkhead, which contained the inviolable prize, the pinnace. On further observation, it appeared to me that the plan we had formed was subject to at least two alarming difficulties. The one was the situation of the pinnace in the ship, and the other was the size and weight it would necessarily acquire when put together. The enclosure which contained the pinnace was in the interior of the ship, and timbers of prodigious bulk and weight separated it from the breach. And in this part of the deck there was no sufficient space for us to put the pinnace together or to give her room when done. The breach also was too narrow and too irregular to admit of her being launched from this place as we had done with our tub raft. In short, the separate pieces of the pinnace were too heavy for the possibility of our removing them even with the assistance of our united strength. What therefore was to be done? And how could we meet such formidable difficulties? I stood on the spot, absorbed in reflection, while the boys were running from place to place, conveying everything portable they could find on board the raft. The cabinet which contained the pinnace was lighted by several small fissures in the timbers, which after standing in the place a few minutes to accustom the eye, enabled one to see sufficiently to distinguish objects. I discovered, with pleasure, that all the pieces of which she was composed were so accurately arranged and numbered that without too much presumption I might flatter myself with the hope of being able effectually to collect and put them together, if I could be allowed the necessary time and could procure a convenient place. I therefore, in spite of every disadvantage, decided on the undertaking and we immediately set about it. 
We proceeded at first so slowly as to have produced discouragement if the desire of possessing so admirable a little vessel, quite new, perfectly safe, easy to conduct, and which might at some future day be the means of our deliverance, had not at every moment inspired us with new strength and ardor. Evening, however, was fast approaching, and we had made but small progress. We were obliged to think of our promise to my wife, and though with reluctance, we left our occupation and re-embarked. On reaching Safety Bay, we found there our kind steward and little Francis. They had been during the day employed in arrangements for our living at Ten House, as long as we should have occasion to continue the excursions to the vessel. This she did to shorten the length of the voyage, and that we might be always in sight of each other. In return for her kindness, I made the best display I could of two caskets of salted butter, three of flour, some small bags of millet seed and of rice, and some other articles of utility and comfort for our establishment. And the whole was removed to our storehouse at the rocks. We passed an entire week in this arduous undertaking of the Pinas. I embarked every morning with my three sons, and returned every evening, and never without some small addition to our stores. We were now so accustomed to this manner of proceeding that my wife bade us goodbye without concern, and we, on our parts, left Ten House without anxiety. She even had the courage to go several times with no companion, but her little Francis to Falcon Stream to feed and take care of the poultry, and to bring back potatoes for our use. As night successfully returned, we had a thousand interesting things to tell each other, and the pleasure of being together was much increased by these short separations. At length, the pinnace was completed and in a condition to be launched. The question now was how to manage this remaining difficulty. She was an elegant little vessel, perfect in every part. She had a small, neat deck, and her masts and sails were no less exact and perfect than those of a little brig. It was probable she would sail well from the lightness of her construction, and in consequence, drawing but little water. We had pitched and towed all the seams, that nothing might be wanting for her complete appearance. We had even taken the pains of further embellishing, by mounting her with two small cannon of about a pound weight and in imitation of larger vessels had fastened them to the deck with chains. But in spite of the delight we felt in contemplating a work, as it were of our own industry, the great difficulty still remained. The said commodious, charming little vessel still stood fast enclosed within four walls, nor could conceive of a means of getting her out. To effect a passage through the outer side of the vessel by means of our united industry in the use of all the utensils we had secured, seemed to present a prospect of exertions beyond the reach of man, even if not attended with dangers the most alarming. We examined if it might be practicable to cut away all intervening timbers to which, from the nature of the breach, we had easier access. But should we even succeed in this attempt, the upper timbers being in consequence of the inclined position of the ship, on a level with the water, our labor would be unveiling, besides we had neither strength nor time for such a proceeding. From one moment to another a storm might arise and engulf the ship, timbers, pinnace, ourselves, and all. Despairing then of being able to find a means consistent with the sober rules of art, my impatient fancy spared the thought of a project which could not, however, be tried without hazards and dangers of a tremendous nature. I had found on board a strong iron mortar, such as is used in kitchens. I took a thick oak plank and nailed to different parts of it some large iron hooks. With a knife, I cut a groove along the middle of the plank. 
I sent to the boys to fetch some matchwood from the hold, and I cut a piece sufficiently long to continue burning at least two hours. I placed this train in the groove of my plank. I filled the mortar with gunpowder, and then laid the plank thus furnishing upon it. Having previously pitched the mortar all round, and lastly I made the hole fast to the spot with strong chains crossed by means of the hooks in every direction. Thus I accomplished a sort of cracker, from which I expected to effect a happy conclusion. I hung this machi machine of mischief to the side of the bulkhead, next the sea, having taken previous care to choose a spot in which its action could not effect the pinnace. When the hole was arranged, I set fire to the match the end of which projected far enough beyond the plank to allow us sufficient time to escape. I now hurried on board the raft, into which I had previously sent the boys, before applying a light to the match, and who, though they had assisted in forming the cracker, had no suspicion of the use for which it was intended. And believing all the while it concealed some subject of amusement for their next trip to the vessel, I confess I had purposely avoided giving them the true explanation from the fear of the entire failure of my project, or that the vessel, pinnace, and all that it contained might, in consequence, be blown up in a moment. I naturally, therefore, some reluctance to announce myself before the time as the author or of so many disasters. On our arrival at Tent House, I immediately put the raft in a certain order that she might be in readiness to return speedily to the wreck when she, the noise produced by the cracker should have informed me that my scheme had taken effect. We set busily to work in emptying her, and during the occupation, our ears were assailed with the noise of an explosion of such violence that my wife and the boys, who were ignorant of the cause, were so dreadfully alarmed as instantly to abandon their employment. "'What can it be? What is the matter? What can have happened?' cried all at once. "'It must be cannon. It is perhaps the captain of the ship's company who have found their way hither.' Or can it be some vessel in distress? Can we go to its relief? Mother, the sound comes in the direction of the wreck. Perhaps she has blown up. From the bottom of her heart she made the suggestion, for she desired nothing more earnestly than that the vessel should be inhiliated, thus an end be put to our repeated visits. Father, if this is the case, said I, we had better return immediately and convince ourselves of the fact. Who will be the, of the party? I, 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 cried the boys, and the three young rooms lost not a moment in jumping into their tubs, whither I soon followed them, after having whispered a few words to my wife, somewhat tending to explain, but still more to tranquilize her mind during the trip we had engaged in. We rowed out of the bay with more rapidity than on any former occasion curiosity gave strength to our arms. When the vessel was inside, I observed with pleasure that no change had taken place in the part of her which faced Tent House, and that no sign of smoke appeared. We advanced, therefore, in excellent spirits, but instead of rowing, as usual, straight to the breach, we proceeded round to the side, on the inside of which we had placed the cracker. The horrible scene of de devastation we had caused now broke upon our side. The greater part of the ship's side was shivered to pieces. Innumerable splinters covered the surface of the water. The whole exhibited a scene of terrible destruction, in the midst of which presented itself our elegant Panassi entirely free from injury. I could not refrain from the liveliest exclamations of joy, which excited the surprise of the boys who had felt the disposition such a spectacle naturally inspired of being dejected. 
They fixed their eyes upon me with the utmost astonishment. Now then, she is ours, cried I. The elegant little Penasi is ours, for nothing is now more easy than to launch her. Come, boys, jump upon her deck, and let us see how quickly we can get her down upon the water. Fritz, ah, now I understand you, father. You have yourself blown up the side of the ship with that machine you contrived in our last visit, that we might be able to get out the Panas. But how does it happen that so much of the ship is blown away? Father, I will explain all this to you when I have convinced myself that the Panas is not injured and that there is no danger of any of the fare remaining on board. Let us well examine. We entered by the new breach. I had soon reason to be satisfied that the Panas had wholly escaped from injury and that the fire was entirely extinguished. The mortar, however, and pieces of the chain had been driven forcibly into the opposite side of the enclosure. Having now every reason to be satisfied and tranquil, I explained to the boys the nature of a cracker, the manner of its operation, and the important service for which I was indebted to the old mortar. I then examined the breach we had thus effected, and next to the Pinas, I perceived that it would be easy, with the help of the crow and the lever, to lower her into the water. In putting her together, I had used the precaution of placing her keel and rollers, that we might not experience the same difficulty as we had formerly done in launching our tub raft. Being let, before letting her go, however, I fastened the end of a long, thick rope to her head and the other end to the most solid part of the wreck, for fear of her being carried out too far. We put our whole ingenuity and strength to this undertaking and soon enjoyed the pleasure of seeing our pretty pinnace descend gracefully into the sea the rope keeping her sufficiently near and enabling us to draw her close to the spot where I was loading the tub boat and where for that purpose I had lodged a pulley on a projecting beam from which I was enabled to also to advance with the completing of the necessary masts and sails for our new barge. I endeavored to recollect minutely all the information I had ever possessed on the art of equipping a vessel and our pinnace was shortly in a condition to set sail. On this occasion, a spirit of military affairs was awakened in the minds of my young group, which was never after extinguished. We were masters of a vessel mounted with two cannon, and furnished amply with guns and pistols. This was at once to be invincible, and in a condition for resisting and destroying the largest fleet. Night surprised us before we had finished our work, and we accordingly prepared for our return to Tent House. After drawing the pinnace uh, close under the vessel's side, we arrived in safety and took great care, as had been previously agreed on not to mention our new and invaluable booty to the good mother, till we could surprise her with the sight of it in a state of entire completeness. In answer, therefore, to her inquiries as to the noise she heard, we told her that a barrel of gunpowder had taken fire and had shivered to pieces a small part of the ship. Two old days more were spent in completely equipping and loading the beautiful little barge we had now secured. When she was ready for sailing, I found it impossible to resist the earnest importunity of the boys, who as a re recompense for the industry and discretion they had employed, claimed my permission to salute their mother on their approach to Tent House, with two discharges of cannon. These accordingly were loaded, and the two youngest placed themselves with a lighted match in hand close to the touch holes. To be in readiness, Fritz stood at the mast to manage the ropes and cables while I stood my station at the rudder. These matters being adjusted, we put off with sensations of lively joy, which was demonstrated by loud hoozles and suitable gesticulation. 
The wind was favorable and so brisk that we glided with the rapidity of a bird along the mirror of the waters, and while my young ones were transported with pleasure by the velocity of the motion, I could not myself refrain from shuddering at the thought of some possible disaster. Our old friend the tub raft had been deeply loaded and fastened to the pinnace, and it now followed as an accompanying boat to a superior vessel. We took down our large sail as soon as we found ourselves at the entrance of Safety Bay to have the greater command in steering the pinnace, and soon the smaller ones were lowered one by one that we might the more securely avoid being thrown with balance upon the rocks so prevalent along the coast. Thus proceeding at a slower rate, we had greater facilities for managing the important affair of the discharge of the cannon. Arrived within a certain distance, fire, cried Commander Fritz. The rocks behind Tin House returned the sound. Fire, said Fritz again. Ernest and Jack obeyed, and the echoes again majestically replied. Fritz at the same moment had discharged his two pistols, and all joined instantly in three loud huzzas. Welcome, welcome, dear ones, was the answer from our anxious mother, almost breathless with astonishment and joy. Welcome, cried Elsa, little Francis, with his feeble voice as he stood clinging to her side, not well knowing whether he was to be sad or merry. We now tried to push to shore with our oars in a particular direction that we might have the protection of a projecting mass of rocks, and my wife and little Francis hastened to the spot to receive us. All dear deceitful ones, cried she, throwing herself upon my neck and hardly embracing me. What a fright have you and your cannon and your little ship thrown me into? I saw it advancing rapidly toward us and was unable to conceive from whence it could come or what it might have on board. I stole with Francis behind the rocks, and when I heard the fairing, I was near sinking to the ground with terror. If I had not the moment after heard your voices, God knows where we should have run to. But come, the cruel moment is now over, and thanks to heaven I have you once again in safety. But tell me, where you got so unhoped for a prize at, as this neat, charming little vessel? In good truth, it would almost tempt me once more to venture on a sea voyage, especially if she would promise to convey us back to our dear country. I foresee of what use she will be to us, and for her sake, I think that I must try to forgive the many sins of absence you have committed against me. Prince now invited his mother to get on board and gave her his assistance. When they had all stepped upon the deck, they entreated for permission to salute by again discharging the cannon, and at the same moment to confer on the pinnace the name of their mother, the Elizabeth. My wife was particularly gratified by these our late adventures. She applauded our skill and perseverance. But do not, said she, imagine that I bestow so much commendation without the hope of some return in kind. On the contrary, it is now my turn to claim from you, for myself and little Francis, the same sort of agreeable re recompense. For we have not, I assure you, remained idle while the rest were so actively employed for the common benefit. No, not so. Little Francis and his mother found means to be doing something also, though not at this moment prepared to furnish such unquestionable proofs as you, by your salutations of cannon. But wait a little, good friends, and our proofs shall hereafter be apparent, in some dishes of excellent vegetables, which we shall be able to regale you with. It depends, to say the truth, only on yourselves, dear ones, to go with me and see what we have done. We did not hesitate to comply, and jumped briskly out of the pinnace for the purpose of taking her little co-adjutor, Francis, by the hand. She led the way, 
and we followed in the gayest mood imaginable. She conducted us up an ascent of one of our rocks, and stopping at the spot where the cascade is formed from Jackal's River, she displayed to our astonished eyes a handsome kitchen garden, laid out properly in beds and walks, and as she told us, everywhere sowed with the seed of useful plants. This, said she, is the pretty exploit we have been engaged in, if you will kindly think so of it. In this spot the earth is so light, being principally composed of decaying leaves, that Francis and I had no difficulty in working in it, and then dividing it into different compartments, one for potatoes, one for manioc, and other smaller shares for lettuces of various kinds, not forgetting to leave a due proportion to receive some plants of the sugar cane, you, dear husband, and Fritz, will easily find means to conduct sufficient water hither from the cascade by means of pipes of bamboo to keep the whole in health and vigor, and we shall have a double source of pleasure from the general prosperity, for both the eye and the palate will be gratified. But you have not yet seen all. There on the slope of the rock I have transported some plants of the anas. Between these I have sowed some melon seeds, which cannot fail to succeed. Thus securely sheltered and in so warm a soil, here is a plot allotted to peas and beans and this other for all sorts of cabbage. Round each bed or plot I have sowed seeds of maize, on account of its tall and bushy form to serve as a border, which at the same time will protect my young plants from the scorching heat of the sun. I stood transported in the midst of so perfect an ex exhibition of the kind zeal and preserving industry of this most amiable of women. I could only explain that I should never have believed in the possibility of such a labor in so short a time, and particularly with so much privacy as to leave me wholly unsuspicious of the existence of such a project. Mother, to confess the truth, I scarcely myself expected to succeed, so I resolved to be silent to avoid being put to the blush for my presumption. But as I found my little calculations answer better than I expected, I was encouraged, and the hope of surprising you so agreeably gave me a new strength and activity. I, however, was not without my suspicions that your daily visits to the wreck were connected with some great mystery which at a certain time would you would unfold. So mystery for mystery, thought I, and thus my love, it has turned out, though acting in different directions, one only object has been our mutual aim, the substantial good of our beloved companions of the desert. After a few jocose remarks which went, with which we closed this conversation, we moved towards Tent House. This was one of our happiest days, for we were all satisfied with ourselves and with each other. We had conferred and received benefits, and I led my children to observe the goodness of Providence, who renders even labor a source of enjoyment, and makes our own happiness result from that of the objects of our affection, and our pride to arise from the commendations of which those objects may be deserving. I had almost forgot, though, said my wife, after a short pause. One little reproach I had to make to you. Your trips to the vessel have made you neglect the bundle of precious fruit saplings that we lay together in mold at Falcon Stream. I fear they by this time must be drying for want of planting. Though I took care to water and cover them with branches, let us go, my, my love, and see about them. I readily consented, as many other matters required our presence at Falcon Stream. We had now in possession the greater part of the cargo of the vessel, but almost the whole of the treasures were at present in the open air and liable to injury from both sun and rain. My wife prepared with alertness for our walk. We hastened to unload the boat and to place the cargo safely under shelter along with our other stores. 
The Penas was anchored on the shore and fastened with a rope by her head to a stake. When all our stores were thus disposed of, we began our journey to Falcon Stream, but not empty-handed. We took with us everything that seemed to be absolutely wanted for our comfort, and when brought together, it was really so much that both ourselves and our beasts of burden had no easy task to perform. Thank you.